these are all ways to do that. All the love languages are ways where you can kind of create some tension in that circuit, which just means like energy is flowing. Um, so these are ways you can kind of keep the tank full <laughs> with your partner so that they don't have to revert to the poking to try to like find like what's still going on here. So these are very proactive, um, healthy things to, to do for your relationship. episode. I am thrilled to have Jason with me again. And um, today we're talking about conflict, connection, love languages, and repair. And this is a topic I think that's a long time coming. And one of the reasons I wanted to touch on it is because it feels like this is one of those things I wish was taught in school. Really, I really wish this was taught in school and it's not. So we're making an effort to do that now. Um, but one thing that we've we've talked about before when we've talked about things like conflict is how a lot of conflict isn't really about the thing that it's about. So, um, you know, I, you know, you forgot to do the dishes again. It's not really about the dishes. It's about, you know, do you care about me? Do you see me? Do you notice my contributions or mm-hmm. whatever it is? And I was thinking that before we go into the five love languages, maybe we could just touch on that dynamic a little bit of, of you know, what has your experience been in terms of, of that dynamic in relationship where it's like, we're fighting about this thing, but then actually it's about this other thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something obviously I've become far more aware of the longer my relationship is gone. Um, as there's just more time for things to accumulate and for patterns to emerge. And I mean, on my end, and you know, if my wife Fiat was here, she would probably agree. 99% of the time, uh, our conflicts boil down to like, I've been pretty checked out and not present. And it starts to kind of like accumulate in the relationship. And then it comes out through these little kind of nitpicky things um, until that like gets big enough that I'm like, no, I'm here. I'm here. And then I show back up kind of thing. Just that that's our dance. That's great. I love how succinct that is too, because it feels like, yeah, again, um, something I've also noticed in relationship is being on the other side of that, not exactly in the same way, but similar. Yeah. I get kind of pokey. I get kind of pokey. I get, I don't know if I would say critical, but maybe we can throw a critical in, but more like a little bit sharp, a little annoyed, like small things bother me and just kind of like pokey and Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable, right? I can feel it in my body that it doesn't feel good. And it's almost like I can't help it. It feels a little bit like, of course I'm an adult. I can help it. But a part of me is just like, oh, like I feel tense and I feel annoyed with you. And I just, these little things are bugging me. And then when we kind of come together and, and repair, um, 
a lot of it has to do with, do I feel cherished? Do I feel, do I feel cherished by you? Do I feel loved by you? When I feel loved by you, those little things matter a lot less. (laughs) It's not that I don't want you to do the dishes or whatever. Of course, yes, this is a thing, but it's so much less charged when I feel filled up, when I feel loved, when I feel held. So that's kind of our intention of this episode is different people feel loved and held in different ways. And we're going to talk about that. And it sounds like, you know, one of the love languages has to do with quality time, deep presence. And it seems like that's probably one of Violet's love languages, you being really being there with her fully present, engaged, you know, with her, not Mm -hmm. necessarily doing something for her. We'll get to all of that, but just that's a deep love language for her. And so then when that's missing and she's not feeling cherished or held or met, then it's like, like I'm upset about all these things, upset about all these things. When really it's like, I miss you. I want you here with me. And, and so that's the, that's sort of point of the, of the whole episode. Um, so we're going to go through the love languages. Uh, there are five of them and there are sort of the sub dialects in each one, but I'm just curious, you know, if you have a sense of yours, I'm curious if this has ever come up kind of in a, in an explicit way in your relationship and what, you know, what yours were. Yeah. Well, this is stuff definitely Violet and I have um, talked about in our relationship out of necessity and just understanding, you know, what fuels each other. Um, so, you know, I actually tend to think of these and kind of, love languages, you know, in two ways for me personally, because there's, there's like, what do I default to giving and what do I prefer to receive? Um, and there can be a mismatch on either one, depending on where things are at with a partner. So what I prefer to receive physical touch. And, um, I think it would be under acts of service, but specifically nourishment via food. Like that's just when I feel very, very loved. Um, Time is not super important to me. Gifts, not important to me. Words of affection almost do nothing for me. Like it's not that I don't want them, but it just like doesn't, I I just don't need it. Like in the same way, touch, nourishment, um, acts of service really are what do it for me. What I tend to give is gifts and acts of service. Acts of service often being like doing stuff around the house, maintenancey things, little things, taking out the trash, um, those kinds of things. And, um, or just getting little, you know, treats or, or things from my partner. Where that has caused conflict, um, right, was something I've had to learn over time is for Violet, for my partner, her number one to receive is words of affection. Like that's the thing that really jazzes her up and then physical touch and then quality time kind of via presence. Like she, she doesn't demand like a ton of my time. It's just, there has to be a certain threshold of connected presence within each, you know, couple days or week or so. Um, But like my default to give is never words of affection. And it's almost actually never even physical touch, like another one for her. So I have to like, it's, it's, it's a deep 
practice to literally remember <laughs> just like any kind of contemplative or meditative practice to like, okay, like say this thing, you know, track this thing. And um, we've had some real pain, you know, learning about how these things work and then even more pain having learned about how they work yet. I still don't do them. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that because it feels very much like, so this is a, the five love languages is a book by Gary Chapman, which I've read for this episode and will reread. And one of the things that he talks about is many couples will not overlap on one or both. So most people have a primary and a secondary love language, and then everyone likes everything. Mostly, you know, (laughs) we like, everyone likes these things, but there are certain channels that are more vivid for people. And again, the, the point is deeply feeling loved. So you might intellectually know that your partner loves you, but feeling it, feeling held, feeling loved is a different thing. And that's what we're talking about. And I appreciate you saying that because what happens <laughs> is that a lot of people get together and there's tons of dopamine happening. So in the honeymoon phase, when two people get together, there's usually a lot of all five love languages. There's a lot of quality time. You know, you're going on dates, you're sitting across from each other, you're looking into each other's eyes. Often you're feeling really generous and uplifted. So you do give each other gifts. There's a lot of um, physical touch, right? You're, you know, discovering each other's bodies for the first time. There's just a lot of, tends to be a lot more physical touch and words of affirmation. You know, there's, it tends to be that all five are flowing at the beginning. And then what we tend to see over time is that that we we stop being high because the, the limerence phase of uh you know all of the dopamine and serotonin and everything that's happening is likened to cocaine being on cocaine right researchers have studied this it's actually pretty close to being on cocaine which is pretty hard drug once you're off of that high you sort of default to who you were before and how you love and how you love and how you receive love and so many couples right around the two year dopamine cliff, which is when, you know, a lot of dopamine goes down, that's when they start to have deeper conflicts because at that point their, their partner isn't doing all the same things that they were doing at the beginning. And so it can be very confusing. Like, I don't understand how we got together or why this worked before, you know, it can be really challenging. And so I think it's important to have explicit conversations about love languages and be mindful, like you said, so that you can, you know, actually love someone. And when I'm using the word love there, I'm kind of using it in the definition of uh, Scott Peck, who wrote um, The Road Less Traveled, which he defined love as the willingness to extend yourself for another. The willingness to extend yourself spiritually or otherwise for another, meaning, you know, words of affirmation are not, you know, they don't come easily to you. I've also been in that position with partners where that's not their primary way of expressing love, but because they know it's important to me, they make an effort. And so that effort, I love receiving words of affirmation and I feel extra loved when he does it, because I know 
that he's doing it because he loves me. He's not doing it because it's like, oh, this is free and easy for me. And I'm just doing this thing that, you know, I do. It's like, oh, he said that because he loves me. He said that because he knows this is important to me. So I think there's a lot of value around these conversations and actually learning how to love each other well, because I think that's something that our culture is quite poor at. We sort of watch these rom-coms where it makes it seem like we just all know how to do this. And it's like, no, actually you're getting to know someone over time. It takes a long time to get to know someone deeply and it takes a long time to figure out how to love them well. So yeah, any comments on that before we get into the love languages? Yeah, I think the that process uh, all couples have to go through of actually teaching each other how to love each other. Like that's a that's a thing, and um, it can be even more challenging if you haven't done a lot of work. And you know, we're probably mostly talking about from a frame here, at least of you kind of know what works for you. But I think there's a lot of people that don't even know what works for them. So it can be hard to teach your partner to give you what you need when you don't necessarily consciously know what you need. So, you know, going through material like this can, can really support you and even self-identifying then kind of bringing that, um, into partnership. And I think it's just a crucial step that, uh, every couple really needs to do because, you know, I, I certainly have no research for this and maybe they talk about it in the book, but I think that like revert to the mean thing after the, you know, all those shifts that happen between that one and two year mark, you know, my sense is that's where we kind of go back to family of origin of like, well, how was it expressed in my house? And that's just kind of what my default is after all the hormones go through. Um, Cause I know certainly, you know, gifts um, and kind of acts of service, that's, that's what was done in my house. So that's kind of what my body is used to had modeled for me. So that's the one I default to. That's such a good point. I think I want to just highlight that briefly. I really, I do think that we are taught how love works in our family of origin. We are taught what love is in our family of origin. And I do also think that for some people, the way that they were loved by their parents or caregivers or whoever actually doesn't match up with their love languages. So I, I know we're going to talk about this, but I know multiple people who've had huge realizations and aha moments reading this book and then delving into it and understanding that for example, their father was doing his very best to love them, right? With acts of service and, you know, providing and, and really doing what he was doing. And they really needed words. They needed to hear words. They needed to hear, I'm proud of you. I love you. You did a great job. Nice work. And they never got that from him. And so they felt deeply unloved, but they later reflecting back, they kind of saw, oh, there were so many things that he was doing to love me. And I think that's a pretty deep realization. So I think as we're going through these, you can think of not just your your romantic partners, but also just people in your lives that you are noticing are extending themselves in some way that maybe you've missed. And I would guess that for a lot of folks out there, they have also felt missed <laughs> in the way that they have attempted to, to love others. But I think that's such a good point about, yeah, the template for how love works, what love is, is installed pretty early on. And this is, I think it's quite a mature practice to update how we love each other and what, what we do in, in, in that way. 
So yeah, we're going to go over the, the five love languages. You may have heard of some of these. Um, I think let's start with words of affirmation. So <clears throat> words of affirmation are, um, there's basically sort of two different dialects in terms of, of this. One of them is um, kind of what it, I think what you would sort of expect around, you know, affection. I love you. You're important to me. You matter to me. You know, you're one of the most important people in my life. Um, I trust you. You know, I'm I'm trying to think of other phrases, but it's personal words about that person and their, um, their impact or their, their meaning to you. You know, there's a lot of people who've never heard a parent say, you're important to me. I love you. I'm proud of you. Those are simple phrases that some people have never heard from people in their lives because A, I think it's quite vulnerable to share that, especially if you didn't have it modeled. So now if we're talking about, say, our parents' generation, if their parents never modeled that, right, they might not ever have, they're like, oh, is that thing I should say? Like, I don't, of course I'm proud of you. They, (laughs) when it's sort of pointed out, they're like, well, of course I'm proud of you. It's like, well, You've never said that in 35 years. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it's really hard for me to figure that out on my own. Um, but is there any uh, others that you can think of? <clears throat> I have some more ideas in this, but that you, for example, that you've figured out are like hot button phrases that help your partner feel loved or a partner in the past. Yeah. I mean, with my current partner, I would say just praise in general falls under this. So the noticing when she's dressed up or done her hair or you look good in that dress or wow, like those shoes look awesome on you, like praising. So these are, these are often things I notice, but again, my habit as a man is not to actually take them out of my mind and share them with her. Um, so it's like, oh yeah, I think that or I'm like, oh, you look really good in that. And then it's sometimes I don't even realize like, and those words didn't come out of your mouth they just went through your head. So for me, it's having to to really learn to practice like the, oh, okay, I was impacted by that, or I've noticed that and and share that. Um, so anytime, you know, I'm 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 praising um her in that sense, you know, for us right now and where we're at, um that praise also includes like the enormous amount of time and energy and love Violet puts into taking care of our daughter Ruby Ruby. Um, just that like, you know, simple things like you're doing such a great job. You're an awesome mom. Like, you know, when I, when, when I deliver that and remember to deliver that and she is, um, it's like, oh, you know, just mana to her heart. Yes, exactly. It's, it's like water on a plant, you know, it's like, Oh, that feels so good. It feels so good. I feel noticed. I feel seen. This is one of mine. Words of affirmation is one of my primary ones. I guess we, I'm not sure if it's my primary, it might be my primary, but, um, the other thing is that, um, words of affirmation, like you said, I think that's a very common pattern that you just said, where I think a lot of men do notice things about their woman. They just don't say them. So exactly what you said of like, well, she looks really good today but it doesn't come out of the, their mouth. And so I do think there's a, a spiritual practice around training oneself to actually bring it out of your mouth. You know, it's just like, it doesn't need to be, I guess what I'm trying to say is 
this doesn't need to be something you're producing out of nowhere that you're trying to manufacture. It's just allowing what's already present to, to be spoken <laughs> into the space. Like, wow, you did a great job putting her down tonight. You know, she was really fussy and that was, you did, you were, that was beautiful. It doesn't need to be complex. It's not something intricate. It's just noticing what is so, and then speaking to it. Um, there, they, in the book, they talk about sort of um, two different dialects of words of affirmation, one being kind of what we're discussing now and another being um, noticing your partner's um, art or maybe art isn't the right word, but for example, I run a podcast, right? If my partner listens to an episode and says, I really liked this part of the episode or this, you know, made a lot of sense to me, that is also words of affirmation because it's affirming what I'm up to in the world. So anytime we're supporting our partners in that way, meaning, um, yeah, noticing what they're, what they're doing and praising them, like you said, or supporting them somehow, like you're a great writer. You're just a fantastic writer. Every time I get one of your emails to our group, I'm, I'm impressed by the quality of your writing. That is also words of affirmation. So it's not necessarily about you look, you look really great in those genes, but it's, you know, what you're about, what you contribute to the world is valuable. And that can include encouraging, right? Of I know you've wanted to, to maybe do some more writing and I just really want to encourage you. I think you're excellent. And I think that your clarity of thought is, is powerful. And I'm I'll always look forward to reading your your notes. That is also words of affirmation. So anytime, and and part of what I hear in that too, is really noticing the person. Like when I, when I feel like someone took the time to listen to my podcast or read my writing and bother to tell me what they liked about it, I feel loved. I feel seen. I feel noticed. I feel all of those kind of warm things. So I think that, that sometimes it can be easy in the day-to-day to forget to, yeah, just kind of remember what our partner is up to in their lives, in their, in their work, and, you know, just in their, in their lives and speak to that. Because we have a personal relationship with them, we frequently kind of miss the other parts of what they're up to. And that can feel really, really good to feel seen in. Yeah, I think uh, I've categorized this in my mind as um, reminders. Like there's definitely times I'm just like reminding my partner and Violet, like what she's great at. Like, oh yeah, no, like you're, you're an amazing coach. Like this is totally what you do. This is what you're born for. You're amazing at this because you know, whatever might be going on or she's stressed out and she can lose touch with that. So sometimes it's the reminder of like, yeah, no, I know you're born for this. Like this is what you're supposed to do. No oh doubt. my God. I feel loved by that. And I'm not even mm-hmm. your partner. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's a, that's a great one. I love that. I'm just reminding someone like, you're great at this. Even just you're great at this. I think that's the thing is the simplicity of this one is it doesn't need to be elaborate. It doesn't need to be big flowery. It's not about flowery language. It's just about saying it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, I'm curious if you can speak at all to, um, yeah, learning to move in that direction, you know, uh, 
just you, because I think this is a pretty common archetype. Is there any advice that you would give men that are kind of in a similar position to you where this is not their default? They did not grow up in a house where this was present so much. This is sort of a new concept and, you know, any advice about how you've moved towards that, or it sounds like you're definitely still in process of that, but any tips on that? Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, it's a practice like anything else. So there's the learning the learning how to do it and then remembering to do it in the moment. And that's definitely probably what's still most in process for me. Um, I would say, you know, it's becoming more and more organic and I do catch myself and I do bring it in more and more and more when I'm not just stuck up in my own head. Um, what helped me initially is structure. And, and so what I mean by that is even before it's organic. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing, what I love about this one and how powerful it is, is even if it's not organic in the sense of like, oh, it just flowed out of me in the moment, but it's like, um, you know, we offer our clients oftentimes a lot of games or structures or sentence stems that they can bring to their partner of like three things I appreciate about you, right? And you can say, hey, do you want to play a game where we share three things we appreciate about each other? And they're like, yes. And like, so the game was just set up that you're going to be delivering this. And yet still <laughs> you deliver it and it lands. Right. So it's, it's not like it has to be this mystery out of coming out of nowhere, romantic thing. It's awesome when it is that way. But I guess what I'm saying is you can actually practice by explicitly setting an extra, uh, a structure for, Hey, I want to practice appreciating each other more um, where I just want to name, you know, three things I'm appreciating about you or three things I love about you right now. And maybe we end our day with that, or maybe we start our day with that or something like that, where um, that itself made it easier for me as, as we played different games and different structures like that started to bring things in um, to our lives like that. And then it's like, it's, a, it's like the muscle gets built there and then it's become easier for me to do outside of that when it is just more in the moment, walking across the house or just noticing something special. That's a really great tip. I also, I think it's very masculine to bring structure. So one thing uh, I was thinking about was leading date night or going on date night and saying, I'm, I'm adding something to date night at the, at the, like, while we're having dinner, we're going to do three things I admire about you. That's going to be part of our date night. Like if, if my man said that to me, I'd be like, Oh wow. Like you're, you're leading. Like it's so masculine. I think that there's something uh, polarizing about the, the masculine person or the one holding that pole saying, we're bringing in some structure. We're going to do this thing. There's something, yeah, really, really great about that. And just before I forget, another one came up for me. Um, we were working through, I don't remember the source material, honestly, some, some couples conflict thing or something like that, but they had an example of like a list of phrases and then each each of us sat down with a printout and circled the ones that felt like they would do something for us. And now we have those on the refrigerator. So even if I don't remember, I can like walk over once a day, see, oh, hey, these are the things she likes. And again, even though she explicitly circled them, told me there's like, you know, it's not like this spontaneous thing. If I take the time to do it, it still goes right to her heart. Yes, that's such a good, see, this is what I'm talking about is, we, we need these hacks. They're not hokey because you do love her. That's the thing is the love is there. It's how the love gets expressed and how it gets received. It's not whether the love is there. 
the love is there. It's how we, how we metabolize it, how it gets in. It's almost like vitamin C, right? <laughs> vitamin C or iron, right? Iron yep. is absorbed more when there's vitamin C present. So the iron might be there, but it's not getting into the body. It's going through the body. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And I, I, if maybe after you can look that up and we can drop that into the show notes, cause I think that's yeah. pretty powerful. Again, people have been down this road before, so we don't want to reinvent the wheel. And I think those, those types of phrases are many people have, you know, come up with, this is part of how I feel deeply seen or deeply loved. This is a phrase that I need, you know, your well being is important to me might be one of them. Like, you know, I'm blanking on other ones, but just, it might not be what you think, but for some people it's like, that really matters to me. Like that's what I didn't get in my house that I always needed to get. And that, that often tends to be something that we want to hear. Um, okay. So we're going to move on to quality time. So quality time is kind of what, so in the book, one of the things that they talked about was dialects, different dialects of these. And so I'm going to go through two dialects. One of them is what I think we, most of us would think of, which is quality time, meaning we're not watching TV together. We're not just in the same space. We're actually connecting. So the TV's off, we're connecting, or we're on date night where it's it's the two of us. There's no distractions. It's like we are connecting. That's what we're doing here. And um, and that's great. And one of the other dialects that they talked about, which I found interesting because I hadn't remembered this is one of them, but one of the other ones they talked about was doing an activity that one of you loves and the other one might not love it. So if you hate it, obviously don't do it. But one of the examples they gave was one woman loved to go to the symphony. She really, it just meant a lot to her. It was a beautiful environment. She loved the, she liked dressing up. She liked the, um, you know, musicians. She just, she loved going to the symphony and her husband didn't love going to the symphony, but he would do it because he loved her. So quality time for them was going to this thing that she loves doing that he's willing to do because he loves her, right? Or hiking or something, you know, it doesn't really matter what the activity is, but it's something that the person loves doing that they would love company on. And I think a lot of us, especially in our culture, right? In the individualistic culture that we have, a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm not really into that. Like, I don't really want to, I don't really want to go. Can you go with one of your friends? And that's fine. I'm not saying you have to be joined at the hip and do everything. But I thought it was interesting that that is also quality time because it's something that really lights that person up and you are supporting them in that. And there's a way that you are loving them by attending with them. And I think this is something that it's worth being explicit about and talking about with, with partners, because if it feels like I'm dragging you to the symphony, I don't feel loved. And if, if I know that you don't really love the symphony, but you really love me. And that it's not just you feel obligated. It's actually like, no, I choose to go with you because I know it's important to you and I care about you. Yeah, I, I um, this is definitely one we've played with. You know, I'm a, I've got some, th- I'm a big movie guy. I'm a big Pearl Jam guy, you know, things that just aren't particularly Violet's thing, but she'll go. And, you know, we've had some great experiences there and there's definitely, you know, I remember taking her to, um, 
in oyster joint in the South Bay or some point for her birthday once. And, you know, I seafood and me are not friends in any shape or form. It's like not the food I would go to, but she loves it, right? She loves it. Um, so, you know, how I like to think about this on the, what I would kind of call the high side, like you said, of like not dragging, it's like, what does make that experience for me is I get to enjoy how lit up my partner is in the experience. And in a way it actually allows me to see some, a part of them that I wouldn't see otherwise. So it's, there is a type of intimacy there, even if it's not my thing. And even if I'm not doing that all the time to, to be able to plug in there on occasion is really important. Um, cause there are some things we sync up on and there are some things we don't sync up on, but, um, getting to experience her energy in the things she does get lit up by has been important to me and vice versa. And that's stuff we've done, you know, for each other sometimes when it's not our natural go-to. Um, the, the other thing I like to think about this in terms of quality time, I think more on the, the first, um, I can't remember what you said, dialect is like refreshment. There's just certain things we can do with each other that actually like refresh and nourish our souls. That's like part of the quality time we do align on where it's, it's like a specific kind of thing that just really deeply rejuvenates us. You know, we were, we spent a lot of time this summer, you know, you'd think we do it all the time living in LA, but we actually like went out to Malibu and went to some beaches and like took the time to get out there. We're both like, yeah, wow, this is like deeply refreshing to us in, in a way that it like greatly improves the quality of our life. Um, and that was a specific kind of time that we didn't always necessarily do because there'd be, you know, kids and busy and, well, we could just hang out at home or go to a park nearby. But that was something we've, we've started to highlight, like, what are those things or, you know, for us, like the one, two or three times a year of just like heading off and getting an Airbnb somewhere and like really getting some novelty, um, is part of the quality, quality time we've discovered as well. I was going to mention that I have something I have admired about your couple couplehood is <clears throat> I think more before Ruby, but yeah, I remember getting really nice photos of you and Violet and Maymay, your dog in, yeah, just beautiful locations. And it, it felt pretty often that you would get away for two or three days and just be, it felt very much like somewhere in nature together, exploring somewhere in nature together, exploring. There's something definitely that I would say is quality time there around, you know, we're not just doing chores around the house or, you know, doing quote unquote normal things. We're in a new place together and we're exploring, even if that's just like, let's go to this gastro pub, right? Let's, you know, but just that feels very much like we are experiencing a part of the world together. And that is to me, I think that dialect of quality time. So one of them is sort of, we are together and I'm putting my attention on you and you're putting your attention on me. The other one is we are in the world, exploring it together. We are experiencing something together and that can be very powerful and also great for memories. You like, Hey, remember that time? It's, 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 a can be really touching. Yeah. Um, okay. So next up is acts of service, which is interesting. I remember <clears throat> listening to one of the stories where there was a woman, you know, complaining about her man and how he just, he didn't really, it seemed like he didn't really care about her. He didn't notice her. She was just feeling really missed. Like, I don't really know why he's with me. Like, it doesn't really 
make any sense to me. And he was like, but I, I like, I make sure that there's always gas in the car. And I always make sure that your favorite chocolate is stocked in the pantry. And I, he listed like six things that he did to, to try to, to love her, to try to express love. And she didn't realize that that was because he loved her. Like she, in her world, it was, it was just like, oh, I thought you just put gas in the car because you put gas in the car. I didn't realize I was in that equation anywhere. I didn't know that. I thought you just picked up the chocolate when you were at the store because it was on the list. I didn't know it was because you were thinking of me because you want me to be happy. So there was a lot of progress made in their relationship of just, no, I actually like care. (laughs) That's why I do those things. I want your life to be easier. I don't want you to have to worry about stopping to get gas. I want you to be able to go wherever you're going and have it be easy. And she was really touched by that. She didn't know that that was part of what was happening. So I think acts of service can, there's a lot of different things that fall under this, including um, what you said of uh, someone cooking for you. So for you, it's, it feels like one of your main love languages is like, wow, someone made a meal for me. You know, I didn't have to do it myself <laughs> and it, it feels like love. It feels like love to you. And that's not necessarily going to be true for everyone. But I think, I do think that's a pretty fairly common one of feeling loved, like being, being nourished, actually having home cooked food, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to that experience, because I I think that you, you did say that this is one of the ones that you tend to give. So can you speak a little bit about your motivation, right? Of kind of being that person who's like, yeah, I put gas in the car because I care about you, not just because I randomly put gas in the car. Yeah. I I think it's um, something I default to in a lot of ways of just trying to, in my own ways, like bring structure to our house, our family or our things. And you know, I'm not always good on the like small day-to-day details, but it's stuff like um, reorganizing a pantry or finding a way to organize our pot, things that like annoy us over time. And then it's like, hey, I'm going to go, I just going to handle that and like figure something out. Um, I, I really enjoy doing that because then it relaxes my partner. You know, it actually relaxes her. Or, you know, even this morning, I think an access service I did was uh, we had had a friend's dog over the last couple of days and we've been very busy. And so there was a lot of dog poop in the backyard and it has to get cleaned up at some point. And I was like, well, I'm very busy today. I have a lot going on. I have to record this thing. And if I don't do it, Violet's going to do it. So I'm going to go clean up all the poop because what a nice thing for her to not have to clean up that poop. So I cleaned up a bunch of dog poop, a couple bags, <laughs> it's not, not a small amount. Uh, so doing stuff like that, um, I, you know, I'm a tech guy. So a lot of this just comes naturally f- for me through like handling the technology of our house and trying to make my wife's computer work or hooking something up or getting a printer or her website. It's just like these things I do because I know how to do them that um, she doesn't always realize how complicated they are, how much work goes into them. It's just, she feels the result of, oh, this just works. (laughs) Right. And, and and so that's, I think sometimes an access service one where that can kind of get missed of like, oh yeah, no, actually a lot of thought and intention went behind that and like why I was offering that to you. But yeah, it's one that I just like kind of do probably most frequently, I would say, um, for my partner, just like finding these small things and trying to handle these small things. And, um, 
but they're not always the biggest, like most romantic things either. So I think that's sometimes where they can, if it's not the one you're used to receiving, it's like, well, who cares? Like in the same way that like words of affection are great, but it's like, it doesn't quite land in me the same way. Uh, this happens with my partner, but on the receiving end, you know, and this, this isn't about like gender stereotypes or anything, but like, there's been times where, you know, I've been working really hard and I come out and there's like a, yeah, a freshly cooked meal. And I'm just like, oh my God, like the, or, you know, sometimes Violet's just like, we had to go on a trip or, or what I had to go on a trip for um, something a couple of weeks ago, a work thing. And I was, again, I was really busy. I had client calls and stuff. And like, I came out and she's like, oh yeah, like I, I, I did all your laundry. Cause I know you're probably not going to have time before you leave tomorrow morning. And it was just like, oh, that's fucking awesome. That like genuinely saved me time and energy. And, and it's not that I couldn't have done those things, but just the fact that she extended herself in that way really landed as, wow, she was tracking me and she cares about me. And my life's now easier tonight because now we get to actually relax and spend a little more time with each other. Those are fantastic examples. I feel like all of those are fantastic examples. Like the dog poo, like that's such a good concrete, like, you know what, if I don't do this, she's going to do it. <laughs> I just, I know that's going to happen. And I want to save her that effort. That feels very much like what we're talking about of actual grounded love, not like, you know, getting someone flowers. Personally, I love flowers. I don't, there's nothing wrong with flowers. I'm not saying that, but there's something special about this category. Cause it does feel like there's something that needs to be done. And I love you. I care about you. And so I'm going to do it so that either you don't have to, or like in the laundry example, I'm tracking what's going on with you. There's something that feels very loving about that. Um, one act of service that really touched me was when I, when I do recordings, I use a certain stand for my laptop and my partner knew that I was coming over and I would have a recording right away, like right when I arrived. And when I got there, the stand was already up and ready. I was like, oh my God, you're tracking like my day and what's happening in my day. And you did this little thing that made me feel supported and loved. It's a really like sweet act of service. Um, I know um, for my, my father, for example, has totally opposite love languages to me, <clears throat> like completely polar opposite. <clears throat> one of his is acts of service and another one is uh, quality time. And so when I, when his wife died, so my stepmother passed away, um, <clears throat> I was, I've never lived in the same state as him. And so I made it a point to fly across the country and be with him quarterly. You know, I, I, I thought to myself, I want to make sure he feels loved. I want to make sure he feels supported. Words don't do anything. I think he's much like you, like I'm on the phone. I'm telling him how much I love him and how much he means to me and blah, blah, blah. And I can just, I just feel like he's like, okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> doesn't really do anything at all. So I put my body in his space, right? I went physically and spent time and I cleaned the bathrooms and I cleaned the bathrooms because I love him and he doesn't really do that. <laughs> like, I mean, also he doesn't really do that, but it wasn't because I wanted clean bathrooms. It was because I wanted him to know someone in your life loves you and cares about you and is willing to extend themselves for your comfort. Like it's important to me that you know that you are still loved, even though you lost your partner. Um, another act of service. I don't know if this counts, but I'm going to name it. Um, there's a 
my partner and I often travel in a car that doesn't have that many spots for like drinks, you know, so you're like holding drinks and it's kind of awkward. And I, I like <clears throat> made this huffy annoyed sound once about like, you know, just, I had too many things, you know, I, I didn't say anything, but I just huffed, you know, and he like moved things around. Like he heard me huff and he moved things around. And then I had a spot for my stuff. And I was like, Oh, you did that for me. Like that wasn't, you know, I felt really loved. Like that was really meaningful because I was trying to figure it out in my head and I couldn't make the physics work. And he just cleared away. He made a way. I think there's there's something, yeah, really romantic about that, even though it's not what I think our culture would sort of say is romantic. So I'm curious in your in your relationship when you two have talked about, about active service, do you feel like that has helped? Um, do you feel like that has helped? Like Violet has kind of been like, Oh, I, now I see, you know, like the technology stuff or like, I didn't put together that that was kind of an act of love to me. It was just a thing you do. Have you had yeah. conversations? Has that worked? I'm just curious about that particular. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about it and, you know, I've, um, honestly, sometimes from a defensive place, like, hey, I'm doing all these things. And da, da, da. Um, and so she's much better at noticing it now and attuning to it. And, you know, and it still doesn't quite give the golden light to her heart in the same way. So it's like she can acknowledge it and it's still, it's not quite the nutrient she needs. So that's part of the the back and forth and the, the play uh, of things. That, but but there are times um, you know she notices things and I you know I think one way this is showed up for us that like you know another way you can think I think of acts of service for whatever reason this is coming for me because sometimes you know this this does happen in our relationship where it's like something comes up and it's just like oh it's handled right it's like I've just already handled it I figured it out I did all the and she's like oh great right like that's one place it's kind of like a weird energy, but it's just like, Nope, that's already handled. Like it's just, it's already done. The paperwork's filed or the thing's done, that kind of stuff. Um, in some sense, the bigger acts of service, I think do land with her a little bit more of like, Oh yeah, no, I already did our taxes or I did like this thing, or I sorted that out. That's like, ah, that kind of relaxes her. Um, and, and that's been, it's sometimes easier for me to tackle the small things than the big things. So as I've, taken on more of the big things. I, th- I think actually, now that I think about it, it is landing in her more. Interesting. That's, that's, that's a good example of <clears throat> this is an ongoing conversation, I think. And, you know, I've been working with, with couples more. I've been, I'm doing a course for couples and I have, you know, more of those experiences now. And one thing that we talk about is having um, regular check-ins on like how how is our relationship going? Not in a scary way, but just regular check-ins. And I think this is something that's worth adding to that around love languages because just it's not a one and done conversation. It's an ongoing. How is this going? How is this going for you? How's this going for me? When was a time that you felt loved? You know, anything you're needing more of around this? You know, because I think that it's easy for us to assume that we have a conversation once and then. Oh, we did that. Like we checked that off, but really it's like, this is one of the deepest and most important parts of a relationship is how do we love each other? Well, how do we love each other? Well, and it does take time to figure that out and to learn how to do it well. And I think it's, um, 
I think it's also true for parents and children, you know, how to love our children. Well, that's, I think more as they're getting older, but just who is this person? Not assuming that, you know, or that, you know, how love gets in with them, you know, it might be unexpected and paying attention to what actually works and what actually feels loving and nourishing is, is a huge, um, it's an act of maturity to grasp that not everyone is like me. Other people, things are important to different people in different ways. And that's one of the most important lessons of this whole thing is how someone else feels loved, not the same as how I feel loved. And that's, that feels very mature. Okay. Um, acts of service. Was there anything else? I don't think so on that one. I don't think there were dialects. Um, the next one is gifts. And I think this is one that um, is a little bit misunderstood. So gifts is not just physical physical items. And we'll start with that. But um, gifts is also the gift of my attention, the gift of my attention. So there was a story in the book about a woman who um, had, she had either Oh, I think she just gotten, um, had a baby. She and her husband had just had a baby and she was talking to the, the counselor who wrote the book and she was like, he loves softball more than he loves me. And he was asking her a little bit about what she meant. And she said, you know, the day that I had our son, he was there in the hospital until my son was born. And then he left to play softball and same on the day of my mother's funeral, he left to play softball. And so the guy was asking like, well, was he there for the actual birth? And she said, yes. And was he there for the actual funeral? And she said, yes. But then he left and there was this bereft feeling of like kind of feeling dropped basically. And the um, counselor was pointing out that the gift of presence, the gift of just, and when I say presence, I mean, just physically being there with someone, not necessarily interacting or doing a bunch of stuff, but just being with that person. And there was another example he gave of, um, uh, also a funeral. I think of a woman was, uh, her husband's parent had died and she was gonna, she had to travel for the funeral. And so she told her boss, she was taking the whole day off and the boss pushed back and was like, well, can't you come in in the afternoon? I really need you. And she said, no, this is important to my husband. I need to be there for him. And he felt deeply loved by that choice and um, the happy ending to that. She ended up replacing that boss because who the fuck would say that? That's totally fucked up. But, <laughs> um, but that's an example of a gift of your attention. It's not just physical gifts. It's also a gift of your attention. But gifts I have found, you know, a couple of my friends have this love language. And what I've noticed is it's not really, it's not about the physical item. It's how well do I know them, right? They love receiving gifts that show that I know them. So a book about something that we talked about or um, an item of clothing from a place that we went together, or, you know, they talk about a certain animal a lot, like a Jaguar. And I got, I got one of my friends, a Jaguar shirt and she felt really seen. So gifts is not just about random gifts, like flowers or chocolate, like our culture says, but, you know, really thinking about that person and what they love and getting a gift that reflects that. Um, and I feel like you're quite strong at this category, you know, <laughs> since I'm friends with Violet, can you say a little about 
I, I just, I feel like you're pretty good at this and not everyone is. Yeah. I think I, I love what you just said about it's not random. Um, I would phrase that as it like thoughtfulness, like there's a feeling into the person and knowing the person. And then, you know, this is something we talk a lot about with our guys over time, particularly sometimes the way it lands in the feminine heart, but like tracking a person over time. So it's like, oh, you mentioned this one thing that one time, and then, oh, that's where I'm taking you to dinner for our anniversary six. Like that's a gift in the sense of, yeah, the dinner is important, but actually what's super special about it is, oh, you remembered that thing that I said, you know, my friend had went or went to a thing like that, or just tracking, you know, what's going on in your partner and their journey. And, you know, you know, like with my wife, like what energies or animals or things is she into at the moment? And then, you know, finding ways that to bring that in um, to our life. So yeah, thoughtfulness, I think is a, is a big way. I like to put that and yeah, just, you know, again, it can be small things. It's just, you know, the other day I got her, um, um, at our retreat over the summer, (laughs) the, the the people that own the facility, uh, gave us a bar of chocolate. Uh, we tasted that was really, really, really good. And she loved it. And I ate the last piece in the car. Like it was anyway, it was like a thing, um, back then. But anyway, I, I found the chocolate, like, I don't know, a week or two ago. I saw it at the store. So I just got it while I was grocery shopping and it was just, I just put it in the fridge on the top in an obvious spot. And I was just like, there's something in the fridge for you. And then she's like, Ooh, and Oh, you remember da da da. That was the chocolate that so-and-so gave us. And yeah, that, that was like a great example of kind of remembering. Um, I could have gotten her any chocolate, but I actually wouldn't have gotten her any chocolate. It was seeing that chocolate made me just brought me into that moment and how much she liked it. And um, so it's like, Oh, I'm going to get that chocolate. It's not not just about getting chocolate right now. It's about tracking that over time. So that that that's a big one, yeah. And I tend to default to this one, just getting little things or trinkets or um. Uh, Violet offered me one of these the other day. We were uh, we were at the doctor or something, and I had to wait and she had to go out. And um, I've been off caffeine for a while. And anyway, she's like on the way back. She's like, oh, and I got you a decaf latte. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want that so bad. That's so great. That's um, really sweet. Yeah. I really, I remember someone I was dating. I really like boba. I like um, bubble tea. And I remember at one point he showed up at my place and he had two. He had one for me and one for him. And I'll never forget it. And at mm-hmm. the time, boba was probably $3.50. Like, this is a great example of yeah. gifts do not have to be expensive. We are not talking about expensive physical items. It's just like, oh my God, you thought of me. And you have seen me order enough that you knew which flavor to get. And so I feel mm-hmm. like the, the love language of gifts, it's not really about gifts. It's about feeling seen. It's about feeling yeah. seen and feeling noticed. And, and really that's what most of these are about <laughs> at the end of the day. But that really struck me. And um, yeah, my current partner, I lost my water bottle that I drink out of every day. And of course, you know, this is like, pretty distressing because it's a really important thing. And when I don't have it, I get headaches because I get dehydrated. And he did a bunch of research and he bought me like a really good water bottle. Like one, I probably wouldn't get myself, you know, that's like it seals in a certain way so that it can be upside down and it won't spill. It's easy to drink out of. You don't have to unscrew the top. Like it's, it's practically a very good water bottle. 
And I thought that was super romantic. And he knows that I like pink. And so he got me a pink one. And I was like, oh my God, you know mm-hmm. who I am and you care about me. And, and he did it without asking. He didn't, you know, Hey, do you think I should, or it was just sort of like, Hey, I got you this. And there's yeah. something I think deeply, um, nourishing about that of like, Oh, like you actually do know who I am and you, and you care about me. And so that, that really landed as like love. And, yeah. and that's a good example of the gifts that we're talking about are not elaborate. They're not huge, but they're meaningful. Yeah. I think one way I'm realizing you might be able to talk about this in, in particularly in terms of the giving thing is it's like, it's a manifestation of attunement. So it's like, I'm attuned to my partner and I know their inner world. So I know what to bring to it like that. And that's it. And so I don't have to like necessarily ask for permission or just like, Oh yeah, no, I know this is going to work. <laughs> like, cause I know my partner. That's and so it's like, time. it's a, it's a manifestation of that, like a type of intimacy um, in that uh, particularly in the, in the, you know, the giving it's the expression of that attunement, which is what makes it meaningful. Even if it's right. Like you said, it could be a, it could be, it could be one of those like little travel pins or something, you, but you know, your friend collects it or your partner collects it. So you got it and it was five, you know, it was 25 cents or something, but they're like, oh, you remembered me on that thing. And thank you. That's what makes it meaningful is that it's like that. Yeah. It's just that remembering that noticing. Absolutely. And I think that um, I, because words of affirmation are one of my primaries, I actually treasure the words that I receive from my partner or my friends, like I, I go back, I remember them, like I hold them close to my heart. So there's, there is something um, really satisfying about a physical item. And for me, words are so important to me. (laughs) Like words of affirmation are so important to me that I sort of treasure them in the same way. It's not a physical thing, but it's, it's so important to me. It's, I value it. I, it's deeply meaningful. It's, it's like something I hold close to my heart. So yeah, I think I just wanted to name that because I, I do think that it can feel like, oh, well, I'm not really doing anything if I'm just giving her praise or if I'm just, you know, naming things, but it's like, no, actually like I, I think about that later. <laughs> like I, yeah. I keep thinking about that. Like it really, really makes a difference. It really lands. I feel, I feel it in my heart. Yeah. yeah. And you know, last thing it just hit me of, um, cause as you can see, as you listen to these, there's some overlap sometimes, right. Between like, what's a gift and what's an act of service. Like, it's not that these are like totally discrete categories. Um, but even, you know, the, the gift of presence piece, right. Can be different from quality time. Like, you know, one thing I've heard, you know, from the hundreds of calls I've done with guys and, you know, we talk about family and lineage and stuff, um, is one thing I think particularly for boys, but I imagine for a lot of women too, that I, that I've heard from guys is things they remember of like, oh yeah, mom or dad, or they both, they came to every game. Right. And so they they weren't interacting. It wasn't quality time in the sense of like, we were like relating with each other or something. It was just like, literally I looked over and my parent was there at this thing. And then maybe I had to go back to school afterwards. So like, but they took the time to be present for me in that way. That's, that's one of the, the, the forms I think of this kind of, it's like the gift of your presence. Like um, you, you don't actually need me here, but I'm here because I care about you and I love you. 
That's right. That's a great point. That's a really good way of putting it. It's not that we're interacting, which would be quality time, right? I'm, I'm putting attention on you. I'm listening to you. you talk about your day. We're, we're doing something together. It's just, you showed up for me. You showed up for me. You showed up when it was important. You showed up for me. Like you, there's something deeply satisfying about that. And I think that we can all relate to that moment of, oh, they came, they came. And I think there's also the like, oh, they didn't come. Right. That, that, that can be pretty devastating when there's something important and someone doesn't come and even worse if they say they're going to come and they don't. So there can be something really restorative about showing up. Um, Last one is physical touch. This is also one of my primaries. And, um, and I think there's, there's an interesting dynamic here about um, physical touch is a it's also a physiological hack to safety often for a lot of people. Loving physical touch is a hack, right? It, it tells your system in a fast way. I am here with you. You know, you can use words and I love words and words are great. And physical holding is deeply calming to many people's nervous systems. So this is an interesting one because it's physiologically powerful if it's done well, and it's also more meaningful to certain people, you know, for, for, for some people it lands more and for other people it lands less. I would say for me, it lands a lot. I remember one of my partners, um, every time we got in the car, he reached for my hand every time. Like there was never a time he didn't reach for my hand. And I felt deeply loved by that. I felt very secure in his care for me from the very beginning of our relationship, there was, I never questioned like, does he really like me? Is he into me? And that was one of the reasons why it was because every time we got in the car, he'd reach for my hand. So we were holding hands a lot of the time we were in the car. And there was something about him reaching for my hand that had me feel loved, right? It would have been different if I'd reached for his, not that it wouldn't have worked, but there was something about like, oh, he wants to touch me. He wants to be close to me. He wants to be connected to me. And that had me feel loved. So there was an act of feeling him come towards me, right? Feeling him, him initiate that contact felt really, really, really nourishing to me. And I think that's one of the, the most important things about giving and receiving love in the way that we're talking about is it has us feel more secure in the relationship. It has us feel more secure in the relationship. If we're not, if it's not getting in, if we're, if we're missing each other, like you're loving me in a way I'm not receiving. I I'm like, well, does he care? Does he care? Oh my God. Does he care? And then that ramps up my nervous system, which comes out as all the pokey stuff. Cause I'm like, well, maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't, maybe, maybe I made it all up. Maybe he doesn't love me anymore. Right. Somebody said something like, of course I love you. I married you. And I was like, so People get divorced all the time. People cheat. Like just because you wanted to fuck me two years ago doesn't mean you want to fuck me now. Of course, I'm still insecure, right? Like there's not there's no guarantee. And so I think that that was really interesting because I had been in other relationships where that part hadn't been online, right? My my partner hadn't reached for me in the car or you know patted me on the back or just he was he was he wanted to be physically connected to me a lot, and I felt very secure with him in his love for me for the whole time we were together. And that was not true in other relationships. So I think there's, there's something powerful about this whole discussion around 
people feeling secure in the relationship. So even if there's nothing quote unquote wrong, right? The person still is still into you and still loves you, still cares about you. If you're questioning it, then you're gonna you're gonna have a response of some kind. You're gonna pull away or you're gonna nitpick or something's gonna happen versus deeply feeling secure. Then it's like, oh, my whole system's kind of like, this is okay. Everything's fine. All is well. Any comments? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, two two pieces. one, just kind of in general, what you're talking about, you know, of the kind of keeping the tank full, so to speak. I think this is a way you can, you know, you had uh, uh, our friend, Dr. Glover on recently to talk about positive emotional tension. These are all ways to do that. All the love languages are ways where you can kind of create some tension in that circuit, which just means like energy is flowing. Um, so these are ways you can kind of keep the tank full <laughs> with your partner so that they don't have to revert to the poking to try to like find like what's still going on here. So these are very proactive, um, healthy things to, to do for your relationship. And yeah, for physical touch, um, it's a huge one, you know, for, for me, not something I got a lot of as a kid. So something my nervous system was deeply craving when I did finally start connecting with women and that I just need, you know, um, that the more I've done my work, the more I've learned I've needed it. Uh, and not just from my intimate partner, you know, I, I, I remember uh, guys in one of my men's groups here in LA often finally tell a story of we were like doing a weekend or something, you know, we we're sharing our own stuff. And uh, I literally just asked him, I was like, can all eight of you just pile on top of me? And like, it was just the weight, you know, for like five minutes was so good. It was so good. It like, so nourished me more than talking for another 20 minutes would have, right. It was just like, Oh, that's what I needed. That's what my body needed. And in my relationship needed too. you know, uh, we've been practicing giving each other monkey hugs. Like that's something I need, which is really awesome. Or, you know, one of our go-tos, uh, is, uh, in our partnership, what we call smushing, where it's just like, I have Violet lie on top of me with her full weight. She loves it. And I love it. And it like juices us up in a pretty deep way. And again, for me, it just relaxes my whole body and then makes me more available for connection, for talking, for not being stressed out, for not being so up in my head, for being more present. Um, it is one of the powerful areas, you know, we do share some similarity, my partner and I, um, you know, I, I would certainly also count sex as a, like a subset of physical touch, which is you know, something she and I were explicit about very early in dating of this is a priority. It's important for me to be in a relationship where this is something valued by both people. Um, and so, you know, that's in our relationship suffers if that's not happening, you know, as I like to say, it kind of, it's the, um, it's kind of grease for the whole system. Like when it's there, it's just a lot of things are a lot easier like the stresses aren't quite as stressful. It's like the whole bucket gets bigger so we can hold more with each other. Um, and I've also had to, in my journey, make sure to include non-sexual touch with my partner. Cause I think that's a trouble area for a lot of guys that the only time we're going for touch is when we want sex or something. And that can, uh, land in our partners, not so well. So making time to, you know, just embrace or hug or kiss or when it's not going towards sex, I think is an important thing we can practice as, as men in particular. Um, but when both of those are firing, it's like just everything's so much easier. Yes. I think, <clears throat> yeah, I would just say, especially 
anyone that's listening, like children of neglect, emotional neglect or physical neglect. I think that's especially um, true of you didn't get those touch needs met. You didn't get that physical touch need met. And so you didn't, you didn't, it wasn't installed. So it is something that needs to be practiced mindfully and does get easier as you practice it more mindfully, but that's, that's normal. If that's you, that's normal. And it can, it can shift, you know, the other thing I was going to say was, um, I think it's good for all of us to remember that we are mammals and we are descended from monkeys. And so, um, even just like picking lint off of someone's clothing. I know one of my partners really likes that. Like it sounds small, but it actually feels really satisfying for him. Um, brushing hair, brushing your partner's hair or having them brush your hair can be really soothing. There's a lot of soothing, soothingness about the scalp. Again, kind of just remembering like we were physical beings, <laughs> we're mammals. And there's <clears throat> a lot of, um, yeah, just, it's physiologically faster, like you said, to do some smushing than to like talk about something you're stressed out about. It's like, just lay on top of me for two minutes. And my system's like, oh, like I'm not alone. I'm, I'm held. And then everything else kind of gets easier. So I think this is a good example too, of actually having a conversation with, with a partner about what do you find soothing? What kinds of physical touch do you find soothing? And you don't even have to know everything in that moment. But I think that hairbrushing is a great example of, I remember being really anxious and stressed out. I was with a group of friends and we were going to watch a movie and I was just irritated and annoyed and anxious. And um, one of my friends brushed my hair for like 30 minutes and I felt completely different, completely different. We didn't talk about what was going on. Nothing changed in my life, but I felt way better. And I remember notating like, oh, this is something I need to remember because it's a pretty easy ask, right? Like even just brushing your partner's hair while you're watching a show or something else is going on. It's it's a physiological way to help soothe our systems. And most of us are pretty anxious. I would say in the modern world, we have dings and pings coming in all the time, just constant stimulation. So most of our nervous systems are upregulated and we need more downregulation. We need more of that. We don't need more stimulation (laughs) most of the time. Yeah. There was uh, just a, piece of research that I saw online last week about this specifically, it's called aloe grooming. So when you like groom each other, um, is a specific term. So it's non-sexual physical touch that's around grooming and, uh, out of the different types of touch, it's actually the, the one that ranked the highest for oxytocin. So like getting your hair brushed, beard done. Um, I remember, you know, as a teenager in a touch, um, absent household, I, I can still viscerally remember uh, when you go get a haircut and they'd wash your hair and just the hands on the scalp of like, whoa, like, you know, when you haven't had any touch, that's like a drug of like, holy, holy cow, that was powerful. And that was one of the only places I was getting it. But all those small types of grooming things um, really like can have a massive impact, like massive, massive impact um, of which I'd, you know, I'd consider like massage and stuff like that, kind of a subset of that as well, of just, you know, rubbing. A, I, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of women, my partner included, like love it. If I just rub her feet, just like a quick, you know, just, uh, yeah, you had a hard day, rub doesn't take much and just pops her. Absolutely. So yeah, as we start to wrap up, I'm going to drop 
a few things in the show notes. If you're interested in some of the things that we talked about, I think that that touch um, let's coordinate on that after, because I'd like to drop that in. And then I do think it's worth reading the book, the five love languages. It's not very long. If you found this compelling, I think there's some other examples in there of uh, that are powerful. So I do recommend that. I'd say uh, you can kind of skip the intro chapter and just go straight to the five love languages on the conclusion. <clears throat> and then um, if you are um, interested in our work, you can go to evolutionary.men slash training and take our free training. It's a good way of going a little bit deeper than the podcast. And I would say that, yeah, the this whole discussion and love languages, it's it's not just about love between a couple. It's also about friends, family members, all of that. And one thing that I've been really inspired by is the number of our clients that have grown tremendously in our work together and have carried that growth forward in their family system. So they have led discussions that have never been led, or they've leaned in in a different way or set healthy boundaries. Just I've been really inspired by how growth work impacts everyone around the person that's doing it. So to me, it feels like a deep act of service to grow yourself as an individual and to get help doing that is a wise thing to do, in my opinion, because we can't do everything ourselves. We weren't meant to. It's not supposed to be like that. And having a community, having other people that are also growing does something to our system. It just it inspires us. We see other people. There's a reason that masterminds and sort of small groups of people have been around forever. And there's a there's that quote about, you know, never doubt what a small committed group of citizens can can accomplish. It's the only thing that has ever changed the world. That's there's something about that. So if you're interested, you can go to evolutionary.men slash training and you can always get me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>